Hi there, this is Jen Lawrence, and you're listening to The Workplace Edit, a podcast for people development professionals, HR executives, and business owners who want to make work a better place to be. On this podcast, we talk about ways to address the talent gap, tackle reluctance to return to the office, deal with employee retention, burnout, discrimination, and other workplace issues, all with a trauma-informed lens. Welcome. Hi there, it's Jen. Thank you for joining me on another episode of The Workplace Edit. Today, I wanted to talk about the five pillars of employee satisfaction. Um, We continue to see news articles about the talent gap. And if you work in HR or own a business, I'm sure you have seen it firsthand. Um, You know, whether it's sort of these TikTok HR trends of rage applying where employees are frustrated, so they, you know, go on LinkedIn and apply to 20 different companies in in five minutes um, and then end up getting a job and leaving or quiet quitting where people are employed and work for you but are not engaged and so are not bringing their best ideas or innovative selves to work. Um, There is definitely an issue with getting talent. And I know a lot of organizational people and HR folks are surprised because um, it's not like we're in a really robust economy. I mean, there have been all of these mass layoffs happening. Um, Certainly the news is filled with stories that we are in a recession and that more of a recession is coming. We hear that folks are having, you know, trouble meeting their debt obligations, you know, mortgages are upside down, HELOCs are expensive because of the increase in interest rates, and yet folks are still quitting and they are not engaged and they don't seem to really care about being fired. Um, And I think that's a new thing. And part of that I think is generational. I think that millennials and Gen Z have seen organizations treat people badly. I think, you know, some of them grew up with parents who experienced layoffs um, when everyone was getting laid off kind of in the 90s with the re-engineering movements. And so I think they don't see companies as being in a partnership with them. I think they see companies as taking advantage of workers for the most part. And so if they see a job that pays a little bit more money, they're going to take it. And so it's really up to employers to decide if they want to reset that social contract. I think the choice is to keep work quite transactional where people come and go and you you extract resources from the employee and they will extract something to put on their resume and maybe some training opportunities and some money for you. And then very quickly that changes as soon as as anything changes. And I think, you know, it's been very one-sided up until now where companies overhire, they hire too quickly, they expand too fast, then they hit an economic roadblock and they make these, you know, mass layoffs of 10,000 people at a time. And I think what employees are saying is we, we get it. There's no loyalty there. We could be gone tomorrow. So we're gonna take as much as we can and then we're going to go. I mean, in essence, it kind of creates a world where everyone is an entrepreneur. Everyone is a, is a contract employee. And while you're there, you're there and you take what you take. And when you're gone, you're gone. And it's very difficult to innovate 
if this is the relationship that you have with employees. Because you're not going to have that long-term individual who is, you know, creating intellectual property on a company's behalf. You get people who are kind of half there and do their work until they can find something better. So for organizations that want to reset that social contract and fill the talent gap and really start to, you know, I want to say use, but use feels like the wrong word, but to leverage the power and the intellect and the emotional connection of humans in their organization to do great work, um, there needs to be more of an understanding of what people actually want, what keeps people engaged with work. And so, you know, I've identified five pillars. Lots of research has been done that tends to show the same kinds of things, but really it's, um, Money is part of the package and it's an important part of the package, but there are also four other pillars. So, you know, starting first with money, I think often people think, well, money is just money, but money is how we live our lives. It's how we support our families. And for folks who have any form of trauma around money. And that could be that they grew up in a family that did not have enough money. It could be that they had early working experiences where they were harassed and bullied and therefore associate money with bad things. You know, there are a variety of reasons why people don't have a very healthy relationship with money. And, you know, usually that kind of sits in the domain of personal finance and financial psychology. But when it comes to work, how people feel about money is how they will feel about their salary. And so for folks who have been traumatized and, you know, at any given moment, 70% of people have experienced a trauma and post COVID and the numbers are just starting to come out. Um, most people experience trauma. I mean, we were all locked in our homes. There was, a virus that, you know, a lot of people died as a result of it. And whether that touched you and your family firsthand or whether you were just witnessing it, that's a traumatic experience. It's like generations who've gone through war. You know, it's something that we've all gone through that has really changed our view of the world. And when you have trauma, you tend to really want to do anything that's going to help make you feel safer. And money is a way to feel safe. You know, we all witnessed during the pandemic, the billionaires were on their islands. They were on their yachts. I mean, things didn't really change a whole lot for them. Whereas for frontline workers, essential workers, you know, a lot of them lost their lives. And those that didn't are very burned out. Some are suffering with long COVID. It was a big deal. And so I think we all witnessed firsthand that money can keep you safe. And so when you're paying a salary and bonuses and things like healthcare benefits, it's not just numbers, even though as a company, it may just look like numbers on a spreadsheet. Those salaries and bonuses and benefits actually mean safety for the people receiving them. And so if they think that they aren't getting the same level of safety as their peers, or if there might be more safety at another company, the smart thing is 
is for them to go and get that. It's not a matter of loyalty. It's a matter of people looking after themselves and their families. And to a traumatized mind, it can feel like the difference of life or death because in COVID, it kind of was. Again, you know, moneyed people did not experience the pandemic the same way as people who didn't have financial resources. So money has become very, very important to a lot of people. And it may frustrate HR folks when people leave for, you know, a $5,000 raise somewhere else, but that's $5,000 they have to pay down debt or to pay for better health care or to put their child in a better childcare situation. So it's really, really important to the recipient. So, you know, the, the more you can pay, the more you can give benefits, perks, people are now interested in offsets. If I have to commute to go into an office, I want that commute paid for. I don't wanna to have to pay $30 a day for parking. I don't wanna to have to pay, you know, $20 to take public transit or gas. I want that offset because we all saw how I was able to work from home during the pandemic. So offsets are becoming important. Um, Childcare is important. Childcare that has some flexibility. So it's not always stressful at the end of the day as to who's gonna pick up the kids. Retirement is a little less important. And I think that that speaks to the fact that people really are in that traumatized brain and are living in the moment. They care about how much money they're gonna have in the next pay period. They care about, you know, what their ability to pay off their mortgage this month. They're not so fussed about retirement because frankly, that's a bit of a luxury to think about retirement planning. And so all of the current surveys are showing that people are a bit a little bit less interested in retirement benefits and they want to know what's going to help them right now. Transparency is really important. Salary transparency. Um, people figure if you're not being open with what you're paying people, you're probably hiding something. You're either trying to be cheap or there are probably big inequities within the company where some people are getting a lot of money and other people are not getting enough. So I think more and more we're going to see a push for salary transparency on job ads, on, you know, internal promotion postings. And I think, you know, every year people are going to want to see a list and see what everybody makes. And if they're not making, you know, enough money relative to their peers, they're going to be coming to you for a raise. And I think that that's actually a good thing. I think gone are the days where um, companies and, and employees are sort of working in opposition to each other. You know, companies are trying to get away with paying as little as possible and employees are trying to get away with doing as little as possible for that wage. I think that a partnership approach is the only way forward where it's like we are, we're both on the same team. We both want this organization to do really, really well. And then when it does really, really well, you are going to be uh, paid for that, rewarded for that. And that doesn't happen when you have such a disparity between what CEOs are making and what the average employee is making. So I think transparency is going to be a real hot button issue for the next decade. And finally, job security. You know, again, talking about trauma and money, if people feel like their money could be taken away from them at any moment, they are not working from that place of their prefrontal cortex, from that creative, 
um, critical thinking brain. They are working from a place of scarcity and fear. So when people see, you know, these 10,000 employees here, 20,000 employees there layoffs, it makes them upset and they're going to go to safety. They're going to try to find dry ground. And if that means leaving your organization, it means leaving your organization because they don't want to have to pay for the fact that you overhired or made some lazy hiring decisions and are now getting rid of everybody because you've had a bad quarter. They're not really interested in that. They're interested in their ability to pay their mortgage and their ability to feed their kids. So, you know, money can really feel like a safety issue for people. And it's a really, really important thing for companies in HR to get right. So that's the money pillar and it is an important pillar, but it's not the only pillar. Flexibility is one of those things that we're seeing a lot of demand for post COVID. The reality is during COVID organizations required a lot of flexibility for frontline and essential workers. They had to work all the time, often at risk to their health. Um, a lot of people in manufacturing died from COVID because they were still expected to work in close proximity. Um, and they ended up paying for that with their lives. So they were, you know, asked to do the right thing for the company and they did it and they're not seeing anything being reciprocated. These are the folks who are being asked to clock out for bathroom breaks, who are, you know, being asked to work split shifts to maximize efficiencies. And they're like, well, wait a minute. I mean, we kept your lights on during a pandemic and this is how we're repaid. They're not really having it. Ditto for, you know, office workers and people who could work from home. They kept the lights on when businesses were ordered to close and they blended their work life and their family life to keep the lights on. Um, they didn't usually get raises for doing so, even though all of the studies have come out showing that people worked more hours over the pandemic when they first started working from home. And so they're saying, you know, if that was all good enough for everybody during the pandemic, when it suited the companies, why can't we do it now? Why are we being ordered back into the office? And I mean, out of the Davos meetings this week, you know, some of the CEOs were saying, well, it's because you're not working hard enough and we want to bring you in to monitor you. Well, that's not really a compelling reason to have people want to go back. People generally like to be treated like adults and have autonomy in their work. So the idea of going back to have their performance be improved or, you know, to be micromanaged is not really appealing. So the more you can give workers flexibility, you know, the more that you can give them some freedoms over when they work and what hours they work and how they work. And for those folks who need to actually be there in person, reward them for that. You know, no more split shifts and coming back and forth and clocking out for this and that. Um, re reward them for being there. The third pillar is growth. And I think this is just a general human need that people have. People like to feel that they are learning and growing as individuals. And so they want training opportunities. They want to be improving their resumes. They want to see a career path. And if you can't provide that, I think they will very happily take that to your competitor. So, you know, for me, again, it's going back to that partnership approach where you and the employee are in it for the long haul. And so you want to develop people. 
And then you want to recognize that development and learning that they've done on the job by giving them a career path that helps move them up and give them more challenging opportunities. Uh, one of the things that people really value is upskilling. You know, everyone is afraid that their job is becoming obsolete due to some sort of technological improvement. And so upskilling people, teaching them on the newest software, helping them move their skill set to 2023 is very, very important. Equally important is reskilling. You know, again, people really do worry about job security. And if they see innovations as um, putting them out of work, it doesn't make them want to support the innovative efforts or change initiatives. Um, it makes them want to sabotage those because, again, it gets to this whole security thing. No one wants to do work that is putting them out of a job. But when there's reskilling offered, saying, you know, maybe you've been a a machine shop person and that we're going to automate that function and then you know we're going to give you some new skills and move you into this newer area of business you know people like that because again it feels like that long-term partnership where they've been recognized for their past efforts and they want to learn something new so i think that's really really important um Job security, again, underpinning so much of this is job security. And if people are not growing and moving up, they fear that they're moving out. So giving people an opportunity to continue to grow and improve their skills is really key. Uh, the fourth pillar is community. You know, we are beings that are really worried about our safety. And one of the ways that in the past, you know, in ancient days when our brains were forming, we were able to keep ourselves safe was to live in community. So we are hardwired to work with other people. And so a company offers other people, you know, that's one of the pluses about going to work should be the other people. So people want to have opportunities to be social. If they are going into the office, they don't want to get there and there be nobody there. They don't want to get there and be kind of squirreled away from everyone. They want to actually be engaging with their colleagues. They want there to be recognition. You know, part of living in community is knowing that your contributions are recognized. So, you know, for the boss to say this is a job well done, for the team to recognize, hey, this project went really, really well. That recognition piece is really important. People like working on teams. Teamwork is important. So team building initiatives, fostering good teamwork. And if there's a hybrid work environment, you know, that's a new challenge. Some people are in one space, other people are in another space. How do you get them all working really well together? Safety is a really big part of building community, emotional safety. There's far too much toxic behavior at work. There's far too much bullying. There's racism, there's sexism, ableism, homophobia, microaggressions, macroaggressions, and it's just not on. If, if you want to work with people and have people as your customers, the bullying thing needs to be solved. And it doesn't need to be solved because you'll be sued, although that is a good reason. It's because without creating that emotional safety when people work together, you're simply not going to get the benefits of being an organization. You're not going to get those synergies. You're not going to get those sharing of ideas. You're not going to get the benefits of having diverse thinking when people don't feel safe to express their thoughts. So creating that emotional safety 
is a really, 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 really important part of building community and providing employers with exactly what they need. Uh, reciprocity is a key part of community. And that's again that if I do something, I want it to be recognized and I want something to be done nice for me. It's, it speaks to fairness. And so, you know, making sure that things are balanced, that when an employee goes the extra mile for the company, that it's rewarded somehow. And finally, again, you know, I'm going to keep saying it, job security. You know, people will engage more with an organization. They will mentor other people. They will support each other. They will pass on their learning if they feel that their job is safe. If they don't, people tend to get very territorial. That's when you tend to see these kind of fiefdoms and people hoarding information and not sharing because people are really scared. And scared people tend to you know, pull in and they use information as a weapon um, and they don't share and they don't necessarily elevate their team members because they're scared of being let go. You, you don't want your colleague to be more successful than you if, if you feel like you could be fired. So again, building good community is what keeps workers engaged and happy and working for you. Um, and it's not an easy task. And this is why, you know, I'm very much in favor of the HR person should have, you know, equal pull in executive teams as finance and operations, because this people side of the business isn't easy and you need people who are experts at it to make it happen. The final pillar is purpose. Um, people don't want to work for bad organizations. People don't want to say that they work for a company that is appearing in the media as doing bad things. So some of that is ESG and like real ESG, like not greenwashing or giving some kind of donation to do reputation management. It's organizations that really are protecting the environment, worried about their good governments, making a social contribution. You know, they're really doing some good work and people feel pride when they work for companies like that. They wanna know that the mission and the vision and the values of an organization are A, good, and B, real. You know, because lots of companies state that they are in the business of doing all of these good things. Financial institutions are masters at this. You know, they're, oh, they're in the business of helping people and doing this and doing that. And then you see that they have some, you know, strategies that uh, ensure that people are unhoused or, you know, punitive um, interest rates or, you know, I used to do some work in the, um, in the divorce space with coercive control and banking law and, you know, it's really bad. Some people stay in violent marriages because they can't access capital. And so people need to know that their companies are actually legitimately engaging with the world and are doing good things. People are more likely to bring their best selves to work if they feel like they're contributing to the good of society. Um, people don't like to think that they're taking time away from their families and their passion projects and using their energy simply to enrich a billionaire. Like that is not what pe brings people to work. People are interested in bringing their best selves and their best ideas to work if they feel that collectively they're doing something really great. Um, 
you know, that's when they're willing to give their intellectual property to a company, when they are willing to bring their very best ideas to a corporation that will profit, um, rather than just kind of taking all of that stuff and becoming an entrepreneur, say. It's because they believe in the bigger purpose. They believe that by working in a bigger team, they can get more things done. So that purpose piece is really, really very important. So those are the five pillars, money, flexibility, growth, community, and purpose. And it's remembering that employees are not some kind of a theoretical concept. They're not some sort of containers of work potential that, you know, you sort of tweak this lever here and they do that and you tweak a lever there and they do something else. They're people. Like they're people who have plans and dreams and goals that are often supporting other people, you know, family members, parents, siblings, children. Um, and so all of this stuff is really important. You know, salary is important because it allows them to do these things. Community is important because it helps them feel safe and like they're socially connected, feeling like they can grow as a human being and they're learning some new things and they're developing. That's important to people. So again, I always encourage if you are working in HR to continue to campaign the powers that be to make sure that you're not simply seen as a cost center and that you're seen as having a really strategic role in moving business forward. Some data just came out from Accenture that shows, you know, the importance of having people-centered strategies on driving productivity. Um, like it's a big number. If you get, if you get it right, there can be an 11% increase in productivity. So, you know, the people thing, there's a very compelling business case for having people at the center. And so if you have your own organization, having a people centric view can be key. And if you're working in the HR space, you know, continuing to use data to show that putting people at the center and doing the right thing is actually really, really good for business as well. So I hope this has been uh, helpful to you and that you will join me next Monday for another episode of the Workplace Edit. Until then, I hope that everyone stays safe and healthy and happy, and we will see you next week.